When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is writer-director Adam McKay, and I am your guest on Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello again, Martin Popoff, back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Um, pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, uh, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Okay, so this is actually a follow-up We've got a theme before. I remember we had the blank Deep Purple. We had an episode on Martin Birch, who was big, big in Deep Purple, uh, in in terms of uh, you know engineering and producing. Uh, he moved on to Rainbow. He's going to be kind of involved in some of this stuff we're going to talk about here uh, as well, because it is a tangled web. This Deep Purple thing. So this is something I've always uh, wanted to uh, do an episode on uh, right from the very beginning. Uh, we're going to call this one. Off the Deep Purple End. This is episode 34, so Off the Deep Purple End. So what is this all about? I know I've alluded to it in the past, um, but we are going to explore in detail here. What I all what I always found amusing, fascinating, was what happened to the Deep Purple members after uh, Mark II imploded, and then we move on, you know, Mark uh, Mark III and IV. I mean, eventually what happens is there's, there's a big break after... Um, who do we think we are? We get in David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes. We get uh, Byrne and Stormbringer. And then finally, another uh, we get a, an immense change, a guitarist change. Uh, Deep Purple puts out Come Taste the Band. So what happens, um, what happens all along here is that these Deep Purple guys basically go off the Deep Purple end. They do all sorts of strange records, strange projects. Um, they're out uh, trying to find themselves for the rest of the 70s, essentially. So um, so we'll we'll explore uh, the various ways they, they did that. But yeah, this is going to be essentially... Uh, a, an education on on basically something I went through. I've got a copy of it here. My um, I did these uh, these two Deep Purple timeline books, the Deep Purple Family year by year. There's volume one. I think it's sixty nine to seventy nine. I believe I call it sixty eight. Maybe volume two is nineteen eighty to twenty eleven. I love doing these timeline books. I did one with Yes This Way as well because I love when these guys do all sorts of crazy side projects and they're working on each other's things. And I I love just laying it out. Um, so you can see all the stuff these guys got up to. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about here a little bit. So this is a little bit of uh, an education of what happens to these guys as essentially solo artists. So without further ado, let's play our first track. This is Roger Glover and Guests um, from the Butterfly Ball uh, Project. This is Sitting in a Dream. Take a listen. Moon is off the sky. 
All right, so I'm not not sure if you noticed there, um, but that is indeed our uh, our our favorite beloved uh, heavy metal vocalist Ronnie James Dio, um, singing very different to how he usually sings. Uh, he's also on a song called Homeward on here and Love Is All. This is a project Roger Glover did. Um, it came out November 18th, 74. It's essentially a big, complicated, expensive sounding, uh, because it has many, many layers, concept album. Um, there's all sorts of guests on here. Mickey Lee Soul from Elf is on here. Now remember, Elf is the band that uh, essentially morphs into Rainbow, but Elf was on tour with Deep Purple. They were Deep Purple um, you know, recording artists, so he's here. Tony Ashton, who's going to figure in some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Lesbian Binks, um, our favorite sort of underground, unknown, mysterious Judas Priest drummer, the guy who's on, uh, you know, Unleashed in the East and and my favorite uh, Priest album, Killing Machine. So he's here. David Coverdale even guests. But, you know, the the things most people remember about this when they remember it at all, because it, it was basically pretty much... Um, you know, a, a big expensive boondoggle of a of a failure, almost like that Zorg or whatever it is, that Alice Cooper thing. That was more of a, a, a drunken fest. This was a little more serious. In fact, so they made this record and then they um and then they uh, they actually had a big theatrical performance of it. And years, years later there was a there was a full live album of it and they gathered people together. Um but yeah, and they had a little bit of a hit with the Ronnie tune, uh, Love Is All Off here. But basically this is Roger Glover out there sowing his oats, doing something very, very different, gathering all these people together. I, I believe originally Glenn Hughes was supposed to be involved as well. Uh, and, you know, it, it, in this theme of uh, of Off the Deep Purple End, he does an even weirder solo album called Elements, which is this big proggy fusion-y thing with, the, with just very few songs on it and lots of, you know... Um, Lots of guest stars again, and lots of uh, lots more of this, uh, you know, cross pollinization of all these people that are part of this purple camp. Um, so there's our first example of uh, wacky, wacky things a deep purple person is uh, doing that do not sound at all like smoke on the water. Okay, our second one. Um, let's take a listen. This is Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, not Rainbow. That's very important. This is Richie Blackmore's Rainbow with Snake Charmer. <laughs> All right, so this record came out August 4th of 75. Um, it sounds a little bit like Elf because Richie essentially absorbs the whole Elf band into this, Ronnie James Dio included. Um, you know, that's a big part of it, just not the guitarist. Martin Birch is producing. Um, you know, they, they get things off the ground with a, with a sort of a trial balloon song, Black Sheep of the Family, which is a Quatermass song, which is like one of these old, revered uh, prog, hard prog groups. 
Um, and uh, and but this song, I picked this because I wanted to show that even Richie Blackmore, even though on uh, on Rising and Long Live Rock and Roll, he's going to essentially be the Deep Purple on steroids, which is kind of what we would expect, not all this wacky stuff. Um, even though he goes there, this first album does have a little bit about that I forgot how to be heavy thing and funkiness and bluesiness. The thing he wanted to run away from in Deep Purple is actually still here. It's on It's on this song. It's on If You Don't Like Rock and Roll. It's a little bit on Snake Charmer. Um, you do start getting the uh, Demons and Wizards Ronnie James Dio here, but um, you, you know, really uh, this record fits into I think it, it fits into the theme of this episode of Off the Deep Purple End. Um, it's going to get a little weirder. Obviously, this is probably the most conservative album overall because it does have, uh, you know, redos of Smoke on the Water, essentially, in 16th century green sleeves and man on the silver mountain those are kind of what you know you would expect if you were expecting the expected i guess um anyways uh let's take a short break uh we will hear from our sponsors and be right back okay back again history and five songs with martin popoff episode 34 off the deep purple end our third selection uh for these deep purple guys just wigging out um is uh let's play this so this is ghost story by pace Ashton Lord. I heard the noise behind me and I turned around, but there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. I know I'm not a man with a superstitious mind, but on the other hand, I'm not a brave kind. I want to tell you now that I really get a fight when things can't go dumb in the night. Can you believe it? Conceive it. I thought I dreamed it. Can you believe it? All right, so this is off this band's only album, Malice in Wonderland. Great title. Nazareth even used it. Great album cover. Came out March 77. It's produced by Martin Birch. It's made at Musicland in Munich. So it has all the things you would expect for this to be almost like a rainbow thing, right? Wrong. It's, uh, it, again... There's a lot of fusion, there's horns, there's bluesiness, funkiness, there's easy listening. Uh, this song I picked is the first song on the album, and it's it's more Deep Purple than most. You know, Tony Ashton has this, he's kind of like, I don't know, yeah, I guess he's sort of like the party guy that hangs around with these guys in a way, like he's... he's He's uh he's a really personable dude and you can hear it in his voice. He has these old sort of uh give it the old college try shouty vocals. Um but you know uh, the other cool thing about this is Bernie Marsden uh you know is, is on this record and he goes on to be an important part of White Snake. So again, the um incestuousness of all this. Um but yeah, just uh, again it's an album that, you know, us as kids, we would look at this, think, wow, Deep Purple guys, Ian Pace, John Lord, um, you know, this is going to be Deep Purple-ish, and it really wasn't, and uh, and all the critics I remember at the time were, were pretty down on it as well. You know, we're right in the thick of the, the, um, uh, the punk explosion, and Deep Purple is even being less punky than they even were in Deep Purple. They're even being more fancy pants and proggy and fusion-y and uh, having lots of layers and making these records that sound like they're going to be really, really expensive. Well, they probably were really expensive, but they just didn't pan out uh, in terms of sales. Um, okay, and they're on Polydor. Okay, so they're on Polydor. Uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow is on Polydor as well. Um, 
There you go. Uh, but no, there's some good stuff on here. You should go check it out. I mean, if, if you, if you, you know, it, 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 there aren't tons and tons of these records. It's not like a Rick Wakeman catalog. Uh, there aren't tons of these records. If you are a huge Deep Purple fan, you know, this is, this is definitely one of these, um, you want to have as a cool curio. Okay. Moving on. Number four, uh, take a listen to this. This is the Ian Gillen band with Twin Exhausted. All right, so Ian is definitely one of these guys that goes way out on a limb. I mean, basically, the first two Ian Gillen albums, um, Child in Time, bizarre that he would name an album uh, after, you know, his big ballad from Deep Purple in Rock, and then actually redo it on here and do a much worse version than than was the original. Um, But on that record and on Clear Air Turbulence, you know, I almost put Ian Gillen in the same whacked-out camp as John Lord with Sarah Band or Roger Glover with L. Elements. Um, but this record, Scarabus, came out October 77. He's on Island, um, which is neither here nor there, I suppose. It's uh, I, it's moving a little more towards um, you've got the short songs. There's some heavy stuff on here. Um, but again, it's it's very funky and jazzy and fusion. It's it's nothing that you expect Ian Gillen uh, to be involved with, uh, you know, to, to push the incestuous a little more. Colin Towns is on board, his keyboardist that's going to be a, such an integral part of his next band, which is just called Gillen, which is an amazing band, one of my favorite bands of all time. We've talked about them on a past episode. Um, Mark Nassif, um, who, uh, you know, he 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 guested shortly with within Lizzie. He was their drummer, but he was actually on Elf trying to burn the sun as well. He's actually a big, big session guy more than anything. Um, but yeah, so yeah, John Gustafson, Quatermass, um, you know, Black Sheep of the Family. Um, so they make these three studio albums, they do a live album characteristically. You know, I, I believe this live album comes out later in the Gillen years, so people are confused what is what is going on here. So you get this crushing heavy Gillen band uh, who are like the heavy metal drunken Deep Purple Doors, uh, and then all of a sudden you get this live at Buda, at the Budokan, I believe it's called, which is which is essentially yeah. I mean, it's it's Ian Gillen band, so it's it's this these long songs and and weirdness. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, just a strange, strange, again, strange theme to what these Deep Purple guys are doing. I mean, it's a little bit like Uriah Heep uh, in this era. I mean, Uriah Heep eventually makes the Conquest album, which is truly bizarre. But even, even the likes of Return to Fantasy and Innocent Victim and uh, Fallen Angel, they're, they're all a little bit strange. They're all a little bit searching. You know, Black Sabbath is is kind of a special case, but, but kind of for a short nub of time there, maybe on on 10 or 20% of technical ecstasy and maybe 25% of um, Never Say Die, the likes of Breakout and Air Dance. So even they are somehow infected by the fusion bug for a, for a short time. But nobody is infected by this fusion bug more so than the XD Purple guys. Okay, so moving on uh, in our History in Five Songs off the Deep Purple end, uh, this is David Coverdale with Keep On Giving Me Love. Best friend, on 
right. So this is uh, David Coverdale went and did. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's even the way he names things is is completely confusing. Um, but he again totally fits in this whole thing because he does an original um, uh, solo album, David Coverdale, White Snake, two words, and then he does a second one called North Winds. So this is off of North Winds. This came out March seventy eight. Again, it's on Purple Records. So Purple is here doing this thing like uh, like Track Records and like Swan Song. We just recently did uh, an episode here on Swan Song Records. Could probably do one on Purple. Actually, it's might not might not be a bad idea. But I won't inflict this same uh, this same uh, quite hard to listen to music on you uh, if we do that. But anyways, so keep on giving me love. This is one of the um, more you know. Uh, Typical uh, White Snake uh, or proto White Snake type songs that you get out of these records. Again, he is uh, he he is proving that uh, this idea of of being of one mind of what he wanted to do with Deep Purple with Glenn Hughes. This proves that he is of that same mind. Um, you know, you listen to the Glenn Hughes Play Me Out album, a horrible record, 1977. Nobody liked it. Um, but it it is, you know, throw it on the pile of these uh, off the Deep Purple End records, Glenn Hughes Play Me Out. But this is a little bit like that. And so is the White Snake album. So he is proving his Northern Soul roots, his, his R&B roots, his crooning roots. Uh, a little bit of hard rock in there, but not much. Um... So again, he, you know, this is essentially like, uh, like if the Richie Blackmore's Rainbow album was, uh, was just maybe, uh, slightly more, well, a little more than slightly more funky and more bluesy and more R&B, you would have, uh, the David Coverdale Northwinds album, um, Produced by Roger Glover. Pretty interesting. Roger's getting around. Um, again, like we say, Roger Glover did Elements. Roger Glover around this time also produced uh, Judas Priest Sin After Sin, so he's being an awesome producer. He also um, was producing with Nazareth and basically helped turn them into a hit band. So he's here producing. Um, you know, he's going to be part of Rainbow shortly. Uh, he will even do his own uh, off the deep end album, just to digress for a minute, The Mask, uh, 1984. So it's kind of like a world music album. So he gets into that. He eventually has this sort of, uh, later on, he even has this kind of little feet phase, this, this Bonnie and Delaney kind of phase. Um, so he does some solo stuff there. And he even did a solo album with uh, Ian Gillen called Accidentally on Purpose, which is another one that could have been uh, tossed on this pile of just bizarre experimental albums um you know mickey moody is here on this david coverdale album so there is the uh, continuity as david moves into snakebite and trouble uh to the early version of white snake and david really doesn't shake this um white snake north winds feel i don't feel until probably you know part way through trouble part way through uh, love hunter he eventually becomes a band that uh I, I say he goes through his kiss phase where he does, you know, the, certainly the Come and Get It album really feels like that to me. But um, yeah, Saints and Sinners somewhat, uh, Slide It In even somewhat. These these more straightforward stadium rock simple songs. This is before the John Sykes era. Um, th- these types of songs. But, but essentially... Um, there is a continuity. You you almost could have just called these White Snake albums, anyways. Um, but even even with the uh, you know the start of White Snake with that confusing EP came out as a full length in Canada, blah blah blah. But Trouble Trouble is the first sort of bonafide stand together record. Um, you know Trouble is is essentially basically you could probably put North Winds 
at one end, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow at the other end, and stick Trouble right in the middle, and that is uh, that that is a measured amount of uh, of funkiness and rock and roll and R and B and boogie woogie uh, that you get out of that. Even Ronnie James Dio has a cameo here. Ronnie and Wendy on uh, on backing vocals on uh, on a song called "Give Me Kindness" on here. Um, so there you go. Uh, I, again, you know the expected, the unexpected. I mean, these guys are just trying to be artists, right? They're they're trying to um, spread their wings, do something different obviously you know one of the amusing things is nobody tries punk or new wave so these guys are basically saying it's a little bit like that um you know i i find this a, a not attractive quality about the deep purple guys in a way but the the way that they uh they sort of look down their nose at heavy metal exactly the same way led zeppelin did so they both kind of look down their nose a little bit at uh, at the likes of black sabbath um but i remember roger i mean roger strikes me as a guy i i remember there's some memorable quotes in my rainbow book which by the way just came back into print i have about 90 copies left that's uh, sensitive to light the rainbow story uh, but there are stories about how when richie played stargazer for roger he was just blown away he loved it so it, it's funny roger's doing all these different things um but when he produces he's he's in there you know doing a landmark Judas Priest album. He's in there doing Nazareth. He's back in Rainbow, um, you know, doing essentially very, very straight down the road, hard rock, you know, down to earth. I love, I love the down to earth album. Um, but yeah, all, all of these guys, I mean, you expect it out of John Lord um, being a keyboardist. Ian Pace is not really a writer. So he's in there with, with Pace, Ashton Lord, but it's, but it's essentially, you know, he's, he's basically the drummer on that record. Of course, Ian Pace to, to, you know, continue our incestuousness. He, he turns up in Whitesnake again. So these guys are just shuffling back and forth left and right. But yeah, this period. Um, so our first song was late 74. Our last song is early 78. This period, um, Again, to sum up, this is the off the deep purple end. And um, and that is it. We will wrap up here and we shall be back again next week with another episode of History in Five Songs. I'm loving, guys, I'm seriously, I, I love all the ideas you're giving me at the Facebook page. There must be probably... 25 ideas in the last week uh, over there and uh, and many of them are great ideas and and there's four or five of them I seriously think um, I want to do uh, I love when Rich uh, sent in, this was really cool, when he sent in uh, a list of uh, guitar solos he loved and why to follow up on on my last episode which was, uh, you know, my five favorite guitar solos of all time and at, you know, mentioning why um, that's a hard thing to do. But one stuck out on that list, and I thought, damn, I probably would have included that, and that is Accept Princess of the Dawn. I totally agree with Rich on that one. The other ones, I wrote him back and said, you know, Rich, I can't picture most of these in my head. I'd have to go back and play them again, and what would be the point? Unless I follow up and do a part two or something and say, hey, here's here's what some of the listeners picked, and I completely agree. Uh, I think that would be the criteria um our criterion uh to do that but but no princess of the dawn i as soon as he mentioned that i pictured playing the entire thing in my head again absolutely killer killer guitar solo again for the reasons rich mentions there you know the the composing the up and down the uh you know the, the textures in it um 
so yeah, that that was really cool, and there are a lot of other great episodes there as well. But um, but yeah, again, I just wanted to say thanks again, guys. I'm I'm loving all the suggestions, and I'm loving the debate over there. So go over there, um, go to my website martinpopoff.com. Uh, there's a list of all my books uh, that are available there. The other one that just came back into print is the uh, is the Merciful Fate. Um, but yeah, I've got the two maidens, got the two priests. A few things are out of print. Uh, Black Sabbath sabotage. I have uh, 70 copies of that as well. Okay, so signing off. Thanks again. We shall talk to you next week. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. Sonic has something delicious for you. Hey, announcer guy, that's your cue. Try the new Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Savory steak mixed with grilled onions topped with crispy bacon and melty American cheese, plus creamy mayo and tangy barbecue sauce. Or try it spicy with zesty cheese sauce and jalapenos. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely craving that previously mentioned thing. Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Mmm, Sonic. Limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.